This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young lady back. She is uh, an MD. She's uh, somebody who fought the man and so far has won. It's Dr. Azeda Khatibi. Well, welcome back, uh, Doc. It's good to see you again. How are you? I'm doing great, Joe. It's so wonderful to be back. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. First of all, you should have about 200,000 followers on Twitter. I'm not sure why you don't yet, because this this fight that you took on affects all of us, and I want people to go and follow you right now. It's just your first and last name, at your first and last name? Correct. A-Z-A-D-E-H-K-A-H-A-T-I-B-I. Go and follow the doctor right now because she took on Gavin Newsom and so far has done an incredible job for you and me, those who just want real information when it comes to COVID-19 or anything. So let's go back to where we left off last time, and it wasn't that long ago, but you you were still in the middle of the fight. You posted a picture of yourself with, I think, you know, a duct tape or something over your mouth that you couldn't speak. Um, this law that was passed by by California basically said, I don't care what your knowledge is, I don't care what your, your studies taught you, I don't care how many years you've been a doctor, you must say what we say you can say about a medication or about an ailment, and you said, no, it's not going to work that way. I'm going to give good advice and give my opinion to, to my patients. Did, did, I, did I frame it right? Well, you know, they're not going to come out and say, you must say what we want to say, right? The state... The state then said, this is the definition of disinformation. This is the definition of disinformation. And if you say things that fall in this, these two definitions, you can get your license taken away. But when I read their definition of misinformation, I got very, very concerned because I was like, this is vague. It's going to chill speech. I already know physician colleagues whose speech has been chilled. They've been keeping their mouth shut. And this law is just going to make it worse. So I knew I had to fight it. Absolutely. And and you're right. It doesn't say you must say these things. But if you if I were to come to you and I, I, I fear I might have COVID and you think, well, the 77 studies show that ivermectin might be might be effective for you. You literally couldn't give me that advice under this law. Right. Because they say ivermectin doesn't work. Well, so what what happens is the doctor is afraid to say anything yes. because if, if they maybe are concerned that someone's going to come after them, they'll do, and I'll tell you, since we talked, I've talked to even more physicians, and this is what they have told me, they say. They say to their patients, I wish I could tell you what I think, but I'm not allowed to. Or they steer the conversation away from the topic at hand, or they refer the patient to the primary care doctor, um, or they just keep silent. Um, or they don't actually say what they think and just tow the party line of the organization, you know, the corporate-like entity for which they work, or they, uh, you know, they just say the opposite of what they believe, and that is dangerous. That is a dystopian medical system. So it's already happening before. This law made it worse, right? And I, uh, we went to court on January 23rd, one twenty-three twenty-three, and we had our first hearing for it. And and you did well. Um, there's actually there was a stay put in place on the law, so they can't they can't enforce the law, right? Uh, so what happened is we went to court on January 23rd, yeah. and the judge uh, 
uh, had our hearing and we, uh, it was the New Civil Liberties Alliance, which is the legal nonprofit with which um, we're working with and we're so lucky, lucky to work with. And um, basically the deputy attorney general kept trying to make the case of, listen, this is this law that, that we've made to go after the people in the extremes, the people who say there's microchips in the vaccine. And the judge kept bringing it back. I am so, so grateful to have somebody on the bench who's intellectually curious, who is um, a, a deep thinker. And uh, he kept bringing, bringing it back to the gray areas. And he said, yeah, you're looking at the extremes, but this law as it's written is making it hard for these doctors to really feel that they can say what they want to say. And at one point, Joe, the district attorney said, I think we can all agree that the definition of misinformation is clear. And the judge interrupted her to say, no, the definition of misinformation is not clear. The definition of misinformation is nonsense. And when he said that, I just so happy because it was I was feeling finally there's somebody in power who's in a position of power who can see the law for what it is overly vague and it chills the speech of physicians and um, so what happened is we made our arguments in court and the judge two days later came out and granted our motion for preliminary and based on the law being vague Good. and so we were making two yeah we were making two arguments the first argument um, that our lawyers made is that this uh, chills the speech of physicians and keeps also patients, right? And I also made a case as a patient, as someone who had a serious illness before, that I don't trust what my physicians say about COVID anymore. I don't have a feeling that they are telling me the truth. I can't have confidence in what they say because I know, know that their speech has been chilled because of this law, right? right. And um, that's the First Amendment violations for both patients and um, the doctors. And then the 14th Amendment violation is um, no due process. If the law is overly vague, then a person of average intelligence can't understand it. And because of that, the law is void. And the judge, when he gave grant, granted us a motion for preliminary injunction, which means the state can't come after us while this case is being um, decided, uh, he really addressed the vagueness issue. He said there's three phrases in the law that make it overly vague. And it went right to the heart of the arguments we were making. He said it's vague because of the phrase contemporary scientific consensus. So the, the original law said that if you do, if you say misinformation, then uh, we can come after you. What did, how do they define this misinformation? False information contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus, contra contrary to standard of care. When I read that, I said, this is a word salad. It doesn't make grammatical sense. Right. And the judge thought the same thing. Good. He said, this law doesn't make grammatical sense. Contemporary scientific consensus. Who decides what consensus is? What's contemporary? What's not in something that's so shifting and fast changing like COVID? Um, he also thought the phrase... Um, standard of care just tacked onto consensus, um, contrary, contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus, contrary to standard of care. He said that doesn't make any sense. Um, and then he, then he said the phrase false, uh, false uh, information doesn't make sense either right. because who's determining what's false? Is it the state? The state has been wrong numerous times in what has been determined false information. Well, well I'll, so, I'll say that. Well, doctor, if you, don't, if you don't mind, I'll say this. The state has been wrong almost the, the whole time. And they've been wrong almost on purpose because they're in, I, I believe they're in bed with the pharmaceutical companies. I'm saying that, not you. But, but let me take it even to the next step.
Google and YouTube have, have defined misinformation by their own arbitrary standards. Therefore, the state of California can do the same thing. I interviewed Dr. Malone, who's the inventor of mRNA technology. They said that was false information. I interviewed Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, one of the, the, the leading and foremost leading uh, cardiologists on the, on the globe, not just uh, in this country, and they, they said that that was misinformation. So it depends on who's deciding what misinformation is, and you are so correct. Thank God you said that. There is no standard definition for misinformation because what you and I believe is very different than what maybe Gavin Newsom believes or Joe Biden believes. And that's not okay when it comes to somebody's health. And it's very telling that the definition that they chose for misinformation is so overly vague because they wanted a lot of leeway to go after the people that they wanted to target. Exactly right. And and I got to tell you, thank God for your backbone because um, you have just saved a lot of people a lot of hassle. We now can get informed consent. We can hear opinion from our doctors. It's not over yet. And I'm going to ask you what the next step is in a second. Let me remind people it's uh, it's Dr. Azadeh Khatibi. She's a medical doctor. She's somebody who went and fought for for the the right to give an opinion as a doctor and as a patient, the right to be informed properly by a doctor without fear of the long arm of the government coming down on them. Uh, Make sure you go and follow her now. It's A-Z-A-D-E-H. Her last name is K-H-I-A-T-I-B-I, K-H-A-T-I-B-I. Follow her on Twitter. I want to see her get 10,000, 20,000 followers very quickly because I'm not sure why you don't have those yet. So where is it now? So there's a there's an injunction, but it's not over, is it? No, so we're going to be waiting to hear back from the judge. Hopefully he'll be addressing the First Amendment issues as well in his final decision. And we're going to see if the state decides to appeal or actually what the decision is. If we need to appeal, if the state needs to appeal. And then there's several other lawsuits against this law. So we're going to see. And uh, I'm really uh, grateful for the new Civil Liberties Alliance strategizing with the other law firms to try to make this law go away. Um, So we just have to be waiting. And I want to address something, which is. You know, with what happened, the terrible tragedy of the lockdowns that created so much increased mortality, so much increased mental and physical uh, ailments um, compared to what they wanted to uh, actually solve. um, That's going to take years and years and decades of work to repair. And the same is true for the chilled speech of doctors and the chilled speech of people everywhere who are afraid of losing their jobs or um, having someone come after them because they dared speak their mind. That's gonna, it's gonna take a lot of repair work within the collective consciousness of society to try to get to a place where people have that sense of autonomy and where people have that sense of sense of willpower to be able to speak what they wanna speak. That yes. requires active repair work by us. It, it, a great comment, and by the way, I think, and I wonder if you want to give me an opinion on this, I think the government of California did this to cover their own rear ends, knowing that they screwed up this entire time. So now they're saying, well, no, we didn't get it wrong. The doctors have been saying the wrong things. We're going to get them right on, uh, back on the right path by saying they can't say misinformation, which is bogus. I think they're trying to cover their rear ends. Recently, there was a push by those who were pushing the vaccines and everything else to say, let's just give amnesty to everybody who got it wrong until now which I found to be startling because, as you said, we had a lot more mortality than otherwise we might have had had we had informed consent and had we known what was in these shots. So do you agree with me that the government of California is trying to cover their own rear ends by doing something like this? Um, I think it's a combination. I think there's probably an element of that. And then there's also the element of people who think differently than I do. And they, I think some people really had good intentions in making this law and they wanted to do the right thing. But as we know, what do they say? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. 
in urgent situations, in emergent situations, it's very necessary for everybody to slow down, take a step back, hear different viewpoints, talk it out, debate it out in a reasoned, reasonable way, not a reactionary way. And the state certainly was mindless and reactionary. And uh, we know now the federal government actually colluded with tech companies yes. to censor some of the best intellectuals who had different thoughts than what the government's mainstream narrative was and went and they their voices down. That's the opposite of what you want to do in these emergency situations. You want those deep thinking, bright intellectuals to have a say because the, the, the wisdom of the collective is better than any single one person or any single one entity on a consistent basis. And research is proving that. Um, and one other thing that I have realized and some of my co-plaintiffs have realized, you know, you think that those in government, especially in the sciences or public policy, that there's a meritocracy that maybe not the politicians, but the people advising them. Right. Um, Dr. Ronder said, said this, he's one of my co-plaintiffs. He said he's lost faith. And I have too, that the smartest and brightest are the people who are advising the politicians. It's not a meritocracy. I think it's just kind of by chance that some right. people end up in these jobs. Um, and sometimes the best and brightest are actually uh, quietly working away in their offices. And in order to keep their jobs, in order to keep their funding, in order to keep their scientific funding, um, they they keep their mouths shut. It's Dr. Ozan and Khatibi. You know, that's, that's very important to know. Uh, we also know that government is working hand-in-hand with Big Pharma. In fact, some people who have left the, the government, HHS, are, have gone to be on the board at Pfizer. Uh, recently, we had Project Veritas, and I know that you haven't seen all these videos, so I want to ask you specifics about it. But we've seen that they've uncovered some information that Pfizer, a, a, a top guy in research, claimed that they were going to do gain a function themselves, mutate these viruses themselves to come up with with new solutions that could be a cash cow. Then he talked about how, yes, the mRNA does go to women's fallopian tubes and goes to the brain and can affect uh, menstrual cycles. Doctor, on a very general sense, shouldn't don't we have the right globally, internationally after World War II? As patients, as people who might take a shot, because we're told to, uh, don't we have the right to know what's in it and what it can do to us? Isn't that called informed consent? Did that go away? Well, I mean, the, these companies are very savvy. They employ very smart people to make these studies in such a way that the study won't fail. Right. Statistically. Right. And they look their endpoints are such that they know their study. They try to maximize their chances of not all the time, but they do it as much as possible to maximize the chances of their study being successful. And so they look at very specific endpoints that will help bolster ultimately the um, the success of the study and their sales. And so they're not going to look at all the things that we as consumers want them to look at. And so you have to understand how science works. It's kind of more of a binary um, way of looking at things as opposed to a holistic way of looking at things. And it's right. the accumulation of studies that leads to an accumulation of knowledge, many studies. But we as consumers need to be savvy. And ideally, we would also have a government that says, yeah, this is what the study showed, X, Y, Z, but it didn't show A, B, C, D, E, F, G, on and on and on. Bingo. And so when you, you have to know what the study showed and what the study didn't show. Did the study, sh- the study, they didn't look at whether or not it changed your DNA. So we can't tell you whether or not it changed your DNA, 
right? It, no, exactly right. And, and <laughs> your point is exactly right. By the way, Dr. Malone told me it does change your DNA. Um, when, when we're talking about a pharmaceutical company, they're in it for the profit. I get that. I'm for business. I'm not against business. But, but what you just said is so important, and I hope people heard you right, because the government is supposed to now say, okay, Pfizer and Moderna are telling us this, but here's what the studies actually show. And they're, they're objective. They're not subjective. They're not arbitrary. Here's what they actually show. And we know that we, we haven't seen studies that we should have seen. We know that VAERS has been discounted when, when VAERS was always good up until COVID. So you, what you just said is so correct because, in my opinion, we, we're seeing collusion between your state government, the federal government, and these big pharma companies when we shouldn't. One side should be looking out for us all the time, and that's the government side. And, and I agree with you. They're not, are they? Well, the government is being funded by these pharmaceutical companies. Exactly. The more and more I've looked at this, I realize, for lack of a better word, um, the incestuous relationships, the um, that that where where there's partnerships that get created that are kind of a self-feeding cycle between pharma and government, and then the people in government then go and ultimately, when they leave government, go and get jobs in these pharma companies, um, and uh, it's it's it, it then creates these relationships that necessarily don't necessarily have our best interests right. at heart, and there needs to be much more transparency about these relationships. And um, much more transparency about the financial incentives um, between uh, pharma, business, and government. And there isn't. Hopefully, one of the silver linings of COVID is that we get uh, the populace pushes for this, and that we get this. But we can't. We can't just wait for somebody else to do it. If anything, I've learned from my situation is we have to be the change that we want to see. Doctor, thank you so much for fighting for us. I love your backbone. Thank you for digging your heels in and making sure the right thing happens. Thanks so much for coming back. Thank you so much for providing a platform for us to talk about these topics, Joe. I really appreciate it. Many blessings to you and all your listeners. You're very welcome. Right back at you. Thank you. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Go follow Dr. Katibi over on Twitter. He's doing a great job for the American people. I'm keeping an eye on, on breaking things when it comes to the balloons. And as we end our third hour, there is no new update. So we've given you all the information. We will be watching it all night. Let's do some pop culture. Pop. Dirty pop. All right, Polo, what you got? All right, so I guess this kind of falls into pop culture. Um, you know that guy, uh, George Santos? Yes. So he, uh, apparently... There was a story where he was claiming to have been a producer on this Broadway version of, of uh, Spider-Man called Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark that wow. ran from 2011 to 2014. And wow. so Bloomberg wrote the story or ran the story saying that their main producer, Michael Cole, came out and said that he was not a producer of the musical. His name was never on the playbill for the show. So... This guy just does. He can't seem to tell the truth. It's so weird. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate that. Thank you, Polo. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.